0: Let's turn then to Psalm 31. This also is a psalm of David. It was written to the choir master. In other words, it was written with the expressed intent that it would be sung, even as we have sung the variation of it tonight. Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit, you have redeemed me, O Lord faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy, you have set my feet in a broad place." Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress, my eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances, those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. O how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In The cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong. And let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Again, let's bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful weekend that you have given us. And thank you for this Sunday evening that we once again have the privilege and opportunity to come and worship you. Dear Lord, please be with Pastor Bob and guide him in the words that you have instructed him with. And uh, open our hearts and our minds as a congregation to accept these words and apply them to our lives, and learn to live for you. Dear Lord, this we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's begin back at Galatians chapter 5. Because this is sort of where the theme of this short series of messages is coming from. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That which Paul says to us, the instruction Paul gives to us in this war, in this battle with our flesh, is that we are to walk by the Spirit. Paul repeats that idea in verses 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So how do we walk with the Spirit? How do we live by the Spirit? How do we keep in step with the Spirit? Last Lord's Day, we looked at the subject of scriptures. One of the ways in which we walk with the Spirit, we live by the Spirit, in this struggle with our flesh, to keep in step with the Spirit, we have to be people of the Word. It is by the Word that the Spirit leads, guides, and directs us. So if we're going to at all be I guess to use the human term successful or to use the spiritual term victorious over our sin, over our flesh, over the old man, over our sinful nature, if we're going to move on in sanctification then scripture has to have a primary role in that. If we're not people of the word We're going to be people of failure. Now, with that as the background, go to Matthew chapter 26. Because the Spirit desires something else from us as well. If we are going to be victorious in this battle against our flesh... Then we go to the Word, we let the Word instruct us, and the Word tells us there is something else that we need to be doing to walk with the Spirit. Matthew chapter 26, go to verse 36. It sets the context. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has taken his disciples there. He has separated out three of his disciples, instructing them to pray. Go down to verse 40. Jesus has gone off to pray and he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now here's the interesting part. Why? Why is it we need to pray? Well, so we don't enter into temptation. Well, why is prayer a part of that? Because the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the Spirit desires obedience. We have the Holy Spirit within us as believers. We desire to be obedient. The good that we would, that is what we want to do. But the evil that we would not, that we do. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if I have a willing spirit, right? But I struggle with the flesh, what am I to do? Watch and pray. That's where the Spirit desires for us to keep in step. Turn to one more passage before we go back to Psalm 31. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You hear that same note coming as as far as what Jesus is sounding to the disciples there in the garden? That there's this prayer and watchfulness that need to go hand in hand with one another. Lord willing, uh, next Lord's Day we'll, we'll look at what that watchfulness is. And, and we'll, we'll use the scriptural term that, that is often given, which is meditation. and we are to meditate on the things of God. That's our watchfulness. That's how we keep alert. But the, the other part of it that, that Jesus emphasizes, that Paul is emphasizing here, is that we need to be people of prayer. The Spirit desires that we be a praying people. This is how I keep in step with the Spirit. This is how we walk with the Spirit. This is how we do battle with the flesh. Not only with Scripture, but also with prayer. Now let's go back to Psalm 31. Not so much that this Psalm deals with that subject, but it does. See, Psalm 31 is David... Dealing with his enemies. And as you read through the psalm, yes, it's obvious that that David here is dealing with individuals. Those who were his physical enemies. Some commentators believe he he might here be talking about Saul. Others believe it might be uh, Achish and the Philistines. Uh, We don't know the exact context. David doesn't give that to us. But there is also a sense in which as you read through this psalm, if you think about it in light of Galatians 5, in light of the battle that we wage in terms of the spirit and the flesh, you can read Psalm 31 And as he talks about his enemies, as he talks about those who are opposing him, those who are seeking to bring him down, there's a way in which you can read Psalm 31 and you can see it as our flesh. That is our enemy. That is who we are at battle against. That that it is this deception of Satan. In our own hearts, that sinful nature that is battling against our desire to walk with the Spirit. Now, how does David deal with his enemies? He deals with it in prayer. I want to place before you four themes. There's probably many... uh, Others, uh, James Montgomery Boyce says that Psalm 31 is the hardest psalm in the Psalter to outline. Having worked on it, I can sort of believe it. It's not an easy psalm. It doesn't necessarily fit a pattern. You, know? you don't see you know, things going. Some people say it looks like a wave cresting. I'm not so sure I see that imagery found here. And so I'm just going to pick out four themes that that I see present uh, along here, following Boyce's outline somewhat as well in this. First of all, that David's psalm here is a prayer that is an expression of trust. See, when we pray, our prayers are an expression of trust. That's where the Spirit desires for us to go. That's where walking with the Spirit leads. That that we would be expressing our trust in God. Notice the words that David uses in the first four verses. That God is a refuge. That God is a rock of refuge. That God is a strong fortress. All of these words... That David uses over and over and over again in the Psalms. Out of his own own experience of fleeing from Saul. And of knowing that the place that he was secure was in the rocks. See those of us we've been going through the, the, the book of 1 Samuel. And we've been dealing with the encounters on Wednesday morning between Saul and David. David as a military expert, knows that he and his 600 men are no match for Saul and his choice 3,000 soldiers out on the plain. We go out in some valley, we go out on some flat space, David knows this is not going to end well. So David continually takes, takes refuge in the rocks. And you see, David sees that. He sees these rocks that hide him, that cover him, that shelter him from the enemy. He sees that as the Lord. That when his enemies press in on him, where does he go? He goes to the Lord. See, when our flesh presses in on us, what do we do? Well, I'm going to take you on, flesh. You, Bob Van Manen is going to take on his flesh. Right out there in the open, right out there in the plain. And Satan goes, got you just where I want you. The last place the Lord, that Satan desires for us to go is to the Lord. You see, that's where the Spirit is saying your flesh is besieging you. Your flesh is pursuing you. Go to the Lord. Run to the Lord. Go to the refuge. Go to the rock. Go to the place of strength, of protection, of cover. Secondly, note that in this section as prayer as an expression of trust... That the commitment that is indicated here. Go to verse 5. In your hand, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Remember those words? Those are the words of Christ from the cross. Those are the parting words of Christ. Into your hands I commit my spirit. story is told that the two great reformers, John Huss and Martin Luther, these were their last words as well. As well as many other faithful saints upon their deathbeds. Breathe out. Into your hand I commit my spirit. And yes, they are wonderful words by which to die. But my friends, David is using them as words by which to live. See, when our flesh is rising up against us, when our sinful nature, when those temptations are coming, what do we do? Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Give myself to you, Father. Because what is happening when our flesh rises up? We're taken over again. That selfish pride is rising up within us again. And and we need to once again flee to the Lord. We need to commit ourselves again. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Not just to die, but to live. To live today, to live tomorrow. To live for as many days as you give me. Father, into your hands, I commit my life. Thirdly note, under this first point, the action that is taken. Verse 8, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Interesting, isn't it? See, what happens is this. David runs to the rock of refuge. God protects him. And what happens? Saul leaves. And what does David do? Well, now I can go out into the broad place. Why? Because my enemy is no longer there. See, what happens when we pray is this. right? Jesus says we we are to go into our, our secret place. We're we're to go into our inner vestibule. And as those temptations of the flesh come upon us, what do we do? We flee to the Lord. We go to the rock. We commit ourselves to Him. And what happens? The Lord delivers. How many times wasn't Saul this close to David? Couldn't get there. Because God delivered him over and over and over again. You see, this is the promise of God. You come to me. You seek me. You commit yourself to me. As you're going through a time of temptation, as that flesh is rising up, I will deliver you. Now, if you try to do it on your own... You try to do it without me? You're not going to be very successful. You're going to fail. You're no match for the enemy of your own sinful nature. But I am. Who can rescue me? Paul says. Thanks be to me. God's filled me with His Spirit. I can rescue me. Thanks be to Christ. It's He who rescues me. Prayer is this expression of trust in God in our battle with our own flesh. Secondly, David also in this psalm is expressing lament. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is also a lament. It is a recognition of the fact that he has failed. Verse 7, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. Verse 9, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. There is a struggle going on. That's what distress is, right? When a ship sends out a distress signal, what is it sending out for? Hey, the water's nice and calm. It's all peaceful. We got no problems whatsoever. So we'll just send out the distress signal. No, the distress signal goes out when we're getting beaten right and left by the waves and the wind is howling and that ship is tossing all over the place. Send out the distress signal. David says, I am in distress. Why is he in distress? Because his enemies. Rising up against him. Again. They're coming back again. Saul wasn't content just once. He comes over and over and over again. The flesh doesn't, isn't satisfied with just one attack upon us. Our sinful nature has such an appetite that it isn't satisfied to just try a temptation once. It keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. And the expression of the believer, as they express it, as David does here, is I am in distress. This is the same cry of Paul of Romans 7. The good that I would not, I do not, and the evil that I would not, that I do. I'm a wretched man. See, I am in distress. Verse 10. For my life is spent with sorrow. My years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. And my bones waste away. Sounds like there's more than just Saul he's dealing with. What is this thing about his bones wasting away? Well, we get a clue of that in the very next psalm. In Psalm 32. Verse 3, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you. See, if we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, then we go back to verse 10 and we say, what is this sorrow that wastes away David's bones all about? It's about his sin. His distress is because of his sin. He sees, he feels, he knows. His sin is rising up. His flesh. Look at verse 11, because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. Remember when David has to flee from Jerusalem because of the uprising of his own son Absalom? You know what that event does? That event brings back all the reminders to David of when his flesh was victorious. What he did with Bathsheba, what he did to Uriah, what he failed to do to Ammon, how he mishandled Absalom. And there are people pelting him with dirt calling down curses upon him as he weaves his way out of Jerusalem. His soldiers say, you want us to kill him? David says, no. No. See how often isn't it, my friends, that when our flesh does indeed rise up, that it becomes public in nature. And others know And they treat us as if we have leprosy. That's why the message this morning from Galatians chapter 6 is so important. Because that's not how you and I as believers are to respond to another believer's sin. And falling and failing. And being overtaken and overrun. By their flesh. We're to restore with gentleness. Gentleness. You see, the reality of life is it's more like verse 11 than it is like Galatians 6. When our flesh rises up, and we fall into the temptations of that flesh. We become an object of dread. See, this is David's lament. He's looking at this realistically. He's saying, I'm struggling with my sin here. I'm struggling with the fact of what I have done My wasting away. In fact, notice he goes on to verse 12. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. Think about that picture. Think of the the broken vessel. Think of the image David's creating. Think of this pot that has been thrown down to the ground and is lying there. In hundreds of pieces. Some of you perhaps remember sometime as a child that perhaps you were at grandma's house. Or maybe you were at an aunt's house. Or maybe it was in your own home. You got a little rambunctious. And somehow or another the table tipped. And there went that prize vase. And there it lay shattered. And there was no way, there was no way it was going back together. See, that's where David comes at the end of this lament. There is no way I can put my life back together. There is no way I can solve the problem that I have created. There is no way that I can overcome the sin that has overcome me. I am a broken vessel. Do you remember those words? Turn with me for just a moment to Psalm 51. David repeats that idea of brokenness. In Psalm 51. The psalm that begins with, have mercy upon me, O God. The psalm that speaks about being cleansed. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. What is he in 31? He is a broken vessel. Why? Because of his sin. This is what we do in prayer. Prayer is not only an expression of our trust, but prayer is to be a lament. This is where the Spirit wants us to go. You want to keep in step with the Spirit? Then the Spirit desires for us to be broken people in prayer before God. That when we go into that inner place, we do not even dare raise our eyes towards heaven. But we say, have mercy upon me, O God. This is where the Spirit leads us. See, this is why prayer is such an essential part of our walking with the Spirit. Not only that we commit our trust But also that this lament comes out of us. This is honest. This is real. This is raw. This is David dealing with his enemies. This is us dealing with our enemy of the flesh. Lord, I'm broken. I'm a broken vessel before you. The spirit does not frown. The spirit is not grieved by that lament. It's as if the spirit nods his head and says, good, you're still with me. Keep in step. Keep up with me. Good, you're following. This is where I needed to lead you. This is where I needed to bring you. Not just once in your life. But over and over and over again. Why? Because until that day, we deal with sin. Thirdly, prayer. Is an expression of need. See, the psalm doesn't end there with the broken vessel. He goes on to to speak of need of his petition. David expressed three things. One, verse 15, rescue me. Verse 16, shine on me. Verses 17 and 18, vindicate me. Or perhaps another way of stating it is restore me. Lord, Here's who I am. I am a broken vessel before you. I can't repair me. But you can. You restore broken vessels. Rescue me. I am in your hands. Isn't that, you go from the broken vessel to the pitcher. Of God coming and taking all these broken pieces into his hands and restoring. Not further breaking and cracking. But restoring with that gentleness that we saw in Christ this morning. Rescue. Shine on me. May your blessings fall upon me. Lord, put me back. Put me back. So I can be your witness. That my life can be a testimony to your grace, to your mercy, and to your love. And the Spirit says... You're coming along. You're keeping in step. This is where we go as broken vessels. I mean, there are other opportunities of what to do as a broken vessel. But where the Spirit leads us is to acknowledge our need. This is who I am, and now I need you. You are the one who has to save me. You are the one who needs to bless me. You are the one who needs to restore me. And finally, the psalm ends in this beautiful expression of praise. Let's pick it up at verse 21. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. You see, he's on the other side. The Lord through his word has spoken. Just as the Lord in his word speaks to you and I. If you, are, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Oh, blessed be the Lord. What a wonderful thing. Lord, thank you. Thank you. You see, this is the dialogue. This is the walk with the Spirit. Yes, we go through this valley of lament. We acknowledge our need. and, And the Spirit leads us. He brings us back to this place of praise. Where we can express and say, Lord, thank you for the deliverance that I know you're going to bring. That I know is coming. Verse 23, love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. What an expression again of praise, of trust. From where He's been. It's the Spirit walking. And that's you and I as believers in prayer. Following the Spirit. To where we come and we say, Lord, I love you. Look what you did again and again and again and again and again. Verse 24. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. One commentator said what David is simply saying is this, keep trusting. Don't ever lose faith in the Lord. See, the Spirit never brings you that way. A walk with the Spirit never brings you to abandoning faith in the Lord. Oh, the Spirit may bring you through some valleys of lament. But He always brings you to the place of deepening faith. Keep in step with the Spirit in prayer. And God's people say, Amen. Father, we do thank You that You are a God who restores. That You are a God who mends broken vessels. That you are the God in whom we can trust, the God in whom we can rely, the one we can flee to. And when, Father, we fail, when we stubbornly think we can do it on our own, we can be successful against our own flesh, and once again we find ourselves wasting away. You bring us to Yourself once again to restore us, to mend us, to put back that which is dislocated in order that we might bless, love, and keep our faith in You. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.